Mark, do you know Jigsaw's never gone after a celebrity? Not once. Um, he did once consider capturing Kevin Bacon, but he quickly realised that Kevin Bacon would... <laughs> oh, the look on your face at how proud you are of yourself of that is concerning me right now. I'm genuinely <laughs> thrilled that I managed to do that. <laughs> And, oh, before I forget... I'll kill you if this is a joke. You want to die tonight? The You Run Podcast. The You Run Podcast. The You Run Podcast. The You Run Podcast. Why isn't it possible? I can't say nothing. A candy man will get me. You choose the movies. I had a heart on this morning when I woke up, Tina. Had your name written all over it. You score them. Ice fucking model! You review them. For that, you get the head, the tail, the whole damn thing. Why not, you stupid bastard? My name is very fucking confused. What's your name? Captain Howdy. You don't want to go fooling around other folks' property. Damn my goddamn soul. Just a beer. Because after all, this is not our show. This is your show. Hello, welcome to the You Run Podcast Horror Movie Review. My name is Scott. And my name is Mark. And we are your host each week as we take you through movies requested by you or new releases as the mood so takes us. We are the original interactive horror movie review show run and controlled by you. You can get involved in so many ways. And the easiest way to do that is follow us on social media. We're at You Run Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Threads, Slash App, everywhere, X. I think I've covered all of them. Yeah, you, at You Run uh, Podcast. Yeah, I have no idea. Yeah, I'm on Instagram, that's it. Yeah, Mark's on Instagram and he's on Slash. He's at MW underscore horror underscore reviews. He's also on Instagram and TikTok at MW underscore horror underscore VHS. So I you... kind of dipped off the slasher thing already. I was real determined to keep focused with it, but then it was like just another thing to do. And I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to keep focused. I'm going to try. And then, yeah, I get notifications for it all the time. I haven't been on in weeks. So sorry if you have tried to follow me on that. I'm not being rude. I just don't go on it that often. The, the crazy thing is if someone made an app to do all of them and just post We've once, had this conversation yeah. before. We need to make it. <laughs> just Someone who can make an app call the show. Um there is three word reviews. You've got 10 word takedown. You score the movies. We give you a voice every single episode. and We ask for nothing in return except your undying love, dedication and devotion to listen every single week. I mean, that seems quite a lot. <laughs> it is. It's quite an ask. Isn't it? <laughs> that sounds quite cultish as well at the same time. <laughs> it is a little bit. We have just done cults on true crime. So I'm kind of I'm in I'm in that headspace. All oh, right. OK. <laughs> Um, you can also send us an email, yourunpodcast at gmail.com, or record us a voicemail by sending us an audio DM on any social media that will allow it. And we've got a couple this week. We've got a couple oh, nice. of audio messages, which is is great. Um, let's start with this one. Hey, Lady Crisis. I just wanted to say that Twilight episode was freaking hilarious. You know why? <laughs> because my girl Heather was on there. But um, yeah, I have a couple thoughts. First of all, I read the Twilight books, and as far as I remember, yes, the movies do match up pretty good with it. Um, 
Another thought is y'all need to leave my bestie alone, Heather. I'm sick of you guys bullying her. I need to call you to my office and have a mediation because I will do that shit. Stop it. And my third thought is for you, Scott. When the fuck are you going to call it a day and just say that I am the winner of the damn quizzes and give me my prize? How many shows are you going to have to try to get me out of the number one spot? Just let me have it. I never win. Oh, this is a bit awkward. Yeah, we received this message like an hour after we recorded with Jim when Jim took the the number one spot. Um, I'm really sorry, Mary. You you can't um you you can't have the number one spot because Jim has taken it from you. Blame Jim at Jim's Retro Emporium on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what would be interesting though, since she's so dedicated to Twilight and having Heather's back. If we do do Twilight Blue Harvest, <laughs> Blue Harvest Pedo Adventures Two, <laughs> that's the one. We should maybe get the both on just to even out the numbers. Two yeah, against I, two. I I, th- I think that's I think that's fair. Um, yeah, we, we'll address the Heather thing in a second because we have another message. Oh God. Hello, Mark and Scott. Do you want to play a game? You think week after week you can go about with your terrible southern accents without consequences. <laughs> now you're going to learn different. Oh yes, there will be blood. <laughs> it took me a while to figure out who that was. I was genuinely concerned at first. And I love the way that Americans just group us all as southerners. I couldn't uh, yeah. be any further away from a southerner if I tried. No, 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 no. Eric's complaining about our southern accents, the ones that we use to when we talk about people from where Heather lives in Texas. Oh, okay. Sorry, I thought he was referring to our own region here in the UK. Uh, no, no, referring to the southern region of Texas where where Heather comes from. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm I'm not picking on her, Mary. I, I'll, I'll stop. I'll stop. So. Don't y'all forget, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts <laughs> and some other online podcast platforms. We can now see these through our analytics, wherever you leave one. And today we have one. So anyway. Uh, <laughs> Oregano. <laughs> uh, Mark was quite annoyed when we received a complaint email a couple of weeks back. You might remember on From Dust to Dawn where Mark had borderline a, a five-year-old tantrum over someone digging Man, at the honestly, show. That- that stayed with me for days and days. I've never been so personally attacked in my life. I'm not used to that kind of feedback. So like, I don't think I handled it very well at all. I, I don't think either of us did. It was like a fuck you guy. Who are you talking to? <laughs> um, but we've got a nice review today. Um, but Mark is still annoyed because they requested that this is read out in Mark's best, most beautiful, wonderful Australian accent and this re- this review come in from someone called James I don't know any more than that oh, why do you keep doing this to me I, I didn't I- do it to you you've read the review this person done it to you James done it to you don't blame me yeah but I think you initiated it in the first place saying I was going to do accents which <laughs> clearly I cannot do <laughs> neither of us can which is what makes it fun right Australian Australian think think kangaroos koalas Barbecues, spiders, sharks, spiders, snakes, hell, yeah. wildfires, literally everything in the world that wants to kill you contained in one small island. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say a small island, but no, this is true. Right. Um, Australian. How do I do Australian? Good day. Good day, uh, mate. 
Yeah. Could die. Yeah, you're Shrimp on the right. Shrimp on the Barbie. Could die. Yeah. Right, let's do this. <clears throat> I don't know if I can do this. Hold on. Yeah, you can. How do I, I, I For the life of me, I'm just think Every time I try to speak, now all I can hear is Heather. <laughs> think neighbours. <laughs> Kylie Minogue. Jason <laughs> Donovan. It's in my brain. Margot Robbie. Let's do it. <clears throat> Oh, man, honestly, I genuinely can't think of an Australian accent. Why has my brain gone so blank? Do, um, do, do your best. Who do I know who's Australian? I can't think of anybody. Oh, Skelly, Skelly. How's Skelly sound? Actually, Australian. No, that's probably going to be really offensive. <laughs> so, yeah, it's how Skelly sounds. Yeah, Sk- Skelly sounds Australian. Uh, go Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> He's Australian. Oh, yeah, Chris Hemsworth. Um, every time I try to think of speaking, it just seems like it's going to come out normal. Um Good day, all. This podcast keeps getting better and better. Scott's jokes at the start are super cringe, but random. But reactions from Mark are priceless. And for, why do I sound American? I don't know. Keep going. Don't stop. <laughs> and from there, it's only getting better. These are honest and don't hold back their opinions. But more than that, I feel like I am part of the conversation. And through that, through even though I'm not, I would like to recommend this show to everyone who likes horror movies. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have Apple devices, but I hope you guys see my review as I would love to read Mark out in his best Australian accent. Thank you for both cheering me up every week. Good eye, Mike. Oh, it kind of came in at the end there. It, it did. For the rest of it, you were Confederate General Mark. But the, <laughs> right at the end, you got I, a I don't bit. know why I couldn't think of what an Australian sounded like for the life of me. <laughs> Um, uh, as always, we apologise if we've upset anyone. Um, if there's any Confederate generals listening, I imagine you found that the most offensive thing ever. I found it like I was rallying up 1940s troops. <laughs> you really, really did. <laughs> uh, uh, anyway. Please, guys, no more. I don't do accents, as you can clearly tell. Let's let's put an end to this now. Uh, yeah, okay. Um <laughs> Right. <laughs> Welcome to news. Um, for those of you who don't know, the news show is coming back next year. Um, it's going to be very different. It's only going to be me and it's going to be yeah, completely different. But news is coming back. News will remain on this show because lots of people don't want to listen to a full news show. So we're still going to keep it here. But we are going to have a separate news show that's going to talk about lots of other things as well. Um, do you want to kick news off or would you like me to take us down the rabbit hole of mess I've got? I'll go first with my first brief one because it kind of ties into either last episode or a previous episode. I can't remember when I brought it up, so I'll get out of the way quickly. Um, either an episode or a few episodes ago, I mentioned to you that Terrifier 2 was coming back to cinemas in November. Yes. And we speculated whether or whether there wouldn't be a trailer for Terrifier 3. Damien Leone has now come out and tweeted and said, for those speculating that the Terrifier 3 teaser is just going to be a 20-second gimmick, I assure you that it is a legit teaser trailer and it's going to be over two minutes long. And then, and you are going to fucking love it. Exclusively in theatres on the 1st of November. So for all of you out there who have seen Terrifier 2 getting rescreened in your local theatre, 
you now have an added incentive to go because you will be one of the first people to see the Terrifier 3 trailer. And it's a full trailer in its entirety, even though a teaser, but we're going to get two minutes worth of footage for Terrifier 3. The thing is, if he's doing a two-minute teaser, that instantly tells me that Terrifier 3 is hitting the three-hour mark again. Oh, God, yeah. I think so. I think so, if not even longer. This guy likes to push everything bigger and better. I wouldn't be surprised if this was going for some sort of record with its runtime. He's he's slowly sneaking into Lord of the Rings runtime territory. <sighs> Who doesn't love Lord of the Rings, though? <laughs> <laughs> Dirty little hobbits. <laughs> I'm excited because, you know, after Halloween, it means it's Lord of the Rings time. That is what I do every year. It's Lord of the Rings over Christmas. Most people go Harry Potter for some reason, but I'm a Lord of the Rings guy at Christmas. Yeah, 1st of December, we hit Nightmare Before Christmas, and then we rock into whatever generic Christmas movies are available. Elf gets played on Christmas Eve. Oh, you can't go wrong with Elf. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're, we're back. we liked it for a second, and then all of a sudden we both went radio silent. There, that was weird. Even though we were both working live as normal, <laughs> there, there was absolutely nothing wrong with our feed. Me and Mark just had like a joint seizure. <laughs> uh, right, my, my first bit of news. That's the weirdest stare down I've ever had. <laughs> it was very, it was very unnerving. Uh, Goldilocks and the Three Bears' death and porridge. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> this is not Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. This it sounds is... an awful lot like it, title <laughs> it, and all. It, it, title, it does. Uh, this is exactly what we wanted from Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. This is people dressed up as the characters killing people. It's what do you mean re- dressed up? It's, it's actual human beings at, that want to kill people who dress up as Goldilocks and the Three Bears and go kill people. Oh, right, okay. So basically, like, if you were thinking the strangers, but all dressed up like the characters from Goldilocks. Yes. Right, okay, Um, all right. So they're not actually trying to be those characters. That's just an outfit of choice. Yes, which I'm fully on board for that. That's a a very unique way to take that. And I'm hoping there's some sort of reason why they've dressed up as Goldilocks and the Three Bears, because that will kind of make it make sense. But the, the trailer's out, and I've got to say, the trailer's very artsy. But Goldilocks looks fucking terrifying. Oh, I haven't seen that. You'll have to send the link to me. Or even better, just put the link in your story when this episode comes out. I'll yeah, I'll, check it out from I'll, there. I'll do that. But it's like the, the mask is almost very Purge-esque. It's a very like right, okay. pretty lady Purge-esque mask. And she's got someone tied to a chair and is holding the biggest magnum gun to his forehead. Right. I mean, I'm, I'm interested, but I'm also very well reserved about this. But again... Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey actually surprised me quite a lot. Yeah. Not that it was great, but I appreciated the effort that they kind of went to, and it definitely subverted expectations with it. Yeah, 100%. And I'm excited for this one. This this one will appear on the show as a new release because I genuinely want to talk about it. My second piece of news, there seems to be quite a lot of talk of Christmas on this episode, so this ties in quite nicely. Um, there is a trailer that's just come out for a film called It's a Wonderful Knife. Now, this looks incredible. This is very much... Do you remember when we had those talks about how we'd like to see Scream, but at Christmas in yeah. a white outfit? This is basically what this film is, but with the added twist. So the trailer, from what I can gather, as it explains, there is a serial killer, 
who is Justin Long. So we get that information immediately in the trailer. Justin Long is a mayor of this town who is also a serial killer. This young girl who I don't quite know her name from the trailer, but she basically defeats him that evening after he's killed all of her friends. And then we see the aftermath of her suffering with it a year later, saying how it's messed up her life and basically how she wishes she'd never been born. Hence, a Christmas miracle and she is now in a reality where she has never been born, although she's still present in that reality. Yeah. She goes to see her parents and stuff. They don't know who she is. And because she his, did no longer exist, she never defeated the killer that night a year ago. And he's still roaming free and killing everybody. So she basically has to defeat the killer, return to her own reality and put the timeline back in order. And for me, this just looks incredible. Not only because it's a slasher movie set around snow, in a white robe, blood on snow just looks amazing to me. And especially yeah. when you've got a Christmas-themed horror movie that's centred around that, I think they always work quite well. And especially when it's a slasher as well. So I'm I'm really pumped for this. Yeah, and we're also guaranteed Justin Long is in this. Justin Long always has the best death in every horror movie he's ever in. Yeah, and I think we might see him die multiple times throughout this, depending on how many timeline variations they dive into with it. I mean, we already see him die once in the trailer from a car battery, so I'm, you, I'm excited. Do you think at some point a horror director is going to sign him on board and just to catch us all off guard is going to make him the sole survivor? Because I'd be genuinely shocked. I'd wait for post credit scenes for hours. Yeah, because he's becoming Sean Bean now, isn't he? It's almost like he's trying to take Sean Bean's title of the many deaths in a horror movie, in, in, sorry, in movies in general. Yeah. I think Sean Bean's racked up like 25, I think he's been killed. Yeah. For 25 movies. And, and he dies in every TV series. He just likes a good death scene. Yeah, so I mean, but the thing is, you've noticed that Justin Long is starting to creep into the villainous role in everything he's in at the moment. Yeah. Which is great, but I don't want him to get too typecast because i like him a lot and i like and he's such a varied actor he can do so many different things i hope he just doesn't get himself pigeonholed as a bad guy and everything yeah i, I quite like him as a baddie and i like seeing him have horrific deaths so i'm on board yeah very cool so the trailer's out it's called a wonderful knife so go and check it out i think this is going to be one to watch this holiday season um, so we're getting the Pet Cemetery prequel, uh, Pet Cemetery Bloodlines, which comes out around the time this episode drops, maybe a week later. Um, the director of that has now announced the next project they're going to be working on. They're going to be working on a reboot of Sleepy Hollow. Oh, cool. No Tim Burton involvement done very much from what I've what I've read, very much done as a period piece like The Witch. So done in a much more serious, much more dark tone um, and less ooky spooky and more fuck. There's a headless horseman coming at me. See, the thing is, as well, because uh, the guys who did the Bloodline remake, did they do the Pet Cemetery remake? That's the no. same guys, is it not? Uh, is it not? Different. Same production company, different director, different writer. Ah, right. Okay. I thought, because I haven't seen Bloodlines yet, so I don't know. Is that in the it's, same universe as a remake? Uh, no, it's in the same universe as the original. It's a prequel. It's not out yet, so no one's seen I it. I know it's a prequel, but I mean, is it a prequel to the original or is it a prequel to the remake? Because it's Paramount, Pre isn't it? And Paramount yeah. were the ones who did the remake. Yeah, it's a prequel to the original, apparently. Right. Okay. That's interesting then. They should have just done it as a remake to the, a prequel to the remake because it looks similar kind of tone and vibe and stuff so yeah but it would have went probably better but the remake wasn't that good it wasn't bad 
It wasn't great. I watched it again recently. I gave it a rewatch. John Lithgow's amazing in that movie. Uh, and yeah, it's shot is. and directed fantastically. The guys who did that did a little indie project called Starry Eyes, which I reviewed recently on my page. And that was what gave me the incentive to go and watch the remake again, because I really loved that Starry Eyes movie. And I actually quite enjoyed it a lot more this time around. And I wasn't just disappointed by the whole character twist. I was like, oh, actually, do you know what? This is all right if you get past that pissed off yeah. original idea that they tried to do. I'll stick it on my watch list this Halloween. I'll, I'll yeah, give it do. A it's cool. Yeah, it's, it's worth it, I think. Um, this week, we are taking a look at a new release. And when I say new, this came out on the 29th of September. So this is super, super, super new. Um in a franchise where the timelines are almost as confusing as the Halloween timelines, uh, John Kramer is back for the 10th installment, which is actually the second movie. Um, expect traps, torture, a good twist, a healthy helping of a creepy puppet. And I'm sure, no doubt in my mind, that you already guess what it is. But just to clarify, today we're covering Saw 10 or Saw X. So have you seen that thing where they've taken the title and flipped upside down and it actually says Xmas? Yeah. So cool. Awesome. Why are we so Christmas orientated tonight? I don't know. <laughs> the cancer is still spreading. I'm afraid there's nothing else we can do. There is one person who might be able to help. Our program is a two-pronged treatment outside Mexico City. The results have been stunning. She saved my life. You're in very good hands with us. After that, what happens then? Your whole life happens then. John Kramer. According to these scans, the tumor was never removed. How much time do I have? Months, at best. I still have a lot of work that needs to be done. Pretended to cure me, but what I have planned for each of you is very real. Peace came upon me, no light, no sound. The only thing I have not provided is your anesthetic, but trust me, you will want to remain alert. All the men to cheat. You pick John Kramer? Please, don't hesitate. Place a big enough piece of your cerebral tissue into the glass enzyme tank. This will save your life. So sleep, silent, this is not retribution, it's a reawakening. The choice is yours. So the listeners score the movies and we always do our new releases about a week after they've come out. So there's a good chunk of people who've been able to go and see them. Uh, listeners scored this a nine out of ten. 
IMDb rocked in at a 7.2 out of 10 and Letterboxd come in at a 3.4 out of 5. And that's today when we're recording the 6th of October. This is still in theatres and cinemas, so it may change. But as it stands now, that's where the scores are. Yes. Um, a bit of a synopsis for this. It doesn't take much. It's a Saw movie. Um, movie takes place between Saw 1 and Saw 2. Uh, John Kramer visits Mexico for an experimental treatment for his cancer. When he discovers he's been scammed, well, it's, it's John Kramer. They scam John Kramer. I don't need to explain to you what John Kramer goes and does. That is pretty much it, yeah. Yeah. Um, Now, in the past, we've not given spoiler warnings on new releases, and we have been criticised many times in direct messages when I've not done it. So, for those of you who have not seen this movie yet... You can read the fucking episode title and be like, I've never seen this. Don't fucking listen to it then. If y'all haven't seen it, that's not anybody's problem. Don't listen to the damn episode yet. <laughs> it, it makes me laugh every time. Thank you, Heather. That's that's one of my favourite audio clips of all time. Surely it's just a given, though. Like, why would you go and listen to a podcast episode about a movie you've never seen? I I don't know. People are odd. Yeah, I mean, not to discourage fans from listening to the episode. I yeah, just, it, it, it's it, just strange not, to me. If you've not seen it and you're still here and you want to listen, don't go. We're happy for you to do that, but. Don't then like come the, whole, us... like the reason why I listen to other people's podcasts is because I've watched a film and I want to know other people's takes and opinions on on what I've just seen and whether oh. it marries up with my take on the movie. But if you've not watched the movie, it's like listening to an audio book about something you've no no sort of correlation or or ties to. I don't. I just don't get it. It just blows my mind that people would do that. If there's a movie that I don't particularly want to see. I will listen to a podcast about it to get someone else's take on it to see whether I actually fancy it or not. But that's rare. I do that. That's just weird. Don't be that guy, man. Come on. You're better than that. (laughs) Just watch the movie. Uh, Let's talk about this movie. Uh, We start off with John Kramer in an MRI machine. Um, I've got to say, he looks not too dissimilar in age from when he done the originals. And this is like 15, 20 years later. Yeah, well, one of my biggest gripes with it is the aging of the characters, and I'm probably sure you can guess who I'm referring to at this point. But, yeah. I mean, I think when you get to a certain age in life, you kind of hit that point where you're still probably going to look the same in 10 years, 15 years' time. Yeah. And he is the actor, Tobin Bell, is out of that age where even if they made another Saw movie in five, six, seven years' time and wanted to set it before the events of Saw 1, he could probably still do that and pull it off. Yeah, a hundred percent. He gets his diagnosis, which is is not good. It's you have cancer, you don't have long to live. You're you're going to die. This leads us into one of my favourite scenes in this, where he's kind of ambling around the hospital, looking a little bit lost, and he's looking through a window, watching a cleaner. And we can see I just, a... just jump in here a minute, just before we get too far into it. So he's just got his diagnosis diagnosis for his cancer. Yeah. This is taking place after the events of Saw 1. Yes. So he didn't know in Saw 1 that he had cancer. He knew he had cancer, but he didn't know how bad the cancer was. And this is where he's getting the definitive, you're you're fucked, basically. Right, because my whole take on the Saw thing is that he finds he's having he's got cancer and that's what urges him to go on and then make people value their life. Yeah, that, that's exactly what it is. But it's now where... 
it's all amplified and he needs to speed up and accelerate any plans he's got because his time now is running out rapidly. Right. So he's been going with this diagnosis for some time. He's found out he's got cancer. He's done Saw 1 because this yeah. is his new path now. He's become the jigsaw killer. He's done a few killings. He's gone for a checkup and they've basically turned around and said, look, mate, things aren't looking good. The chemo's not working. You've got a couple of months. Yeah. Yeah. You, you're, right, you're, okay. you're done. Yeah, right. I just wanted to clarify that because when I saw it in the cinema, I was like, I, I don't understand. I thought his diagnosis was what spared him on to start this. But if this is set after the events of Saw 1, then he's already been doing this for some time. So what caused him to be Jigsaw? But that makes more sense. So I get it now. Yeah, and just so everyone knows, me and Mark have not discussed this, so neither of us know how the other one feels. So this no, could be... because I've literally walked out the cinema about an hour and a half, two hours before we started recording this. Yeah, so th- this could go, this could go any any way. <laughs> um, <laughs> he spots a cleaner, and there's a patient in a bed who's on tubes, and they're 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 out of it. They're they're not looking good, and the cleaner starts rifling through the drawer and mm-hmm. picks up the watch and picks up the wallet, and then he spots that John Kramer's seen him. And then we go into what I thought was John Kramer had caught him and taken him to a trap. This trap is brutal. Yeah, very, very brutal. I mean, I, but the thing that annoyed me about this trap as well, like I, I, when I was watching it, I was like, so for context, there is a trap which all five of his fingers are strapped to basically like pulley levers. And every time he turns a dial next to him, it pulls one of his fingers back and breaks it. He has 60 seconds on the clock to turn it all five knobs before this vacuum cleaner that's attached to his eyeballs pulls him super out of his head. Yeah. Um, would you or would you not just quickly just turn that thing? I, I said exactly the same. I sat there and went, it would just be a quick, as quick yank. as I could yank, feel all the pain at once. I save my eyes. I walk out with broken fingers. But he was doing it so slowly, one at a time. I was like, dude, just turn the fucking thing, will you? <laughs> just turn it and snap him. But the, the the eyeballs being ripped out, I was like, oh, that's awful. And they did it one at a time as well. And I was like, oh, man. It's not like they just turned on the vacuum and it pulled them both out simultaneously. It was like one. Yeah. Then the other. I and you like, keep, oh, God. You keep getting the close-ups of the eye where like, the eye is opening. You can see the eye like bulging where it's trying to pull out and he's trying to close his eyes. It's like, oh, I don't like this. Yeah. It, it's re- There's loads of really cringy, like, oh, moments in this. But again, like, that's the confusing element about this setup with this film is, like, it, it, it almost looks like an origin story with this scene because he sees the guy doing the thieving from this patient's bed. And then he looks at the guy who's been in some sort of car accident and he's got like basically like Robocop limb stretching things to try and hold himself in place. And all his hand is like harnessed up and stuff. And it's almost like as if he looked at that as if to say, oh, maybe I should do that. Unless maybe that was what he thought, oh, I'll use that trap to then work it on this guy. Because it was like a hand thing that they focused on, wasn't it? Yeah, I I think that's what it was. He saw that and then we went into the inner workings of his mind where he went, oh, that's a good idea. Um, But this turns out to be all in John Kramer's head. This is him imagining what he would do to this guy. And then when the guy sees him, he puts everything back. And as he walks out, John Kramer goes, good choice. And I was like, like, yes, well done. Yeah, I was a bit annoyed that it was a dream sequence. So I was like, I feel a bit cheated by that. (laughs) Yeah, I kind of was as well. 
I like again now you've now you've sort of said it in that sense where it's like oh we went into his mind for a second and that's visually what he wanted to do in that moment before the guy had a second but he only had a second case of judgment because Jigsaw caught him yeah Jigsaw hadn't have been there then he would have probably gone ahead and taken it all anyway so as far as I'm concerned strap him up and pull his eyes out (laughs) (laughs) um John Kramer goes and sits outside. He's having a coffee. He's, he's not having a good day. Um, and he meets an old friend, someone he's met at a cancer group before. Yep. Um, and this guy's like full of life and happy. And John Kramer's like, you were terminal. You only had like weeks to live. How are you still here? He's like, oh, I went and had this experimental surgery. It's a, it's a, it's a really evasive surger- surgery to remove the cancer and an experimental cocktail of drugs that that cured me. I'm now cancer-free. John Cromer's like, well, I need to get me some of that. Where do I sign? And Black's like, look, it's not running this country. Um, I can give you an email address, but that a website address, but that's all I can do. I, I don't know any more than that. Um, I love that they made the time and the effort for Jigsaw to go and research. He didn't just go click on the website and go straight to I want to be treated. We actually see him look up the doctor, read loads of his papers. I love that they made the point of he's a rational thinking. He's a very intelligent man. And they showed that he wasn't just, oh, I'm going to listen to my friend. It was, a, I'm going to have a look into this guy first. Yeah, that was really cool. I also appreciate the fact that they dated his computer to suit the timeline as well. <laughs> his computer was old and slow. Yeah. <laughs> like his web browsers and things. I was like, oh, that's really cool because you could have quite easily just had him using like an Apple of Mac or something. Yeah, so, and like it, it was bad to the point that like it done the like scroll across lines as it loaded the picture. I was like, yeah. <laughs> 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 um, he sends an email, uh, fills in the application form, and then he receives a call from the 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 lead researcher, who's the son of the doctor who's created. Uh, sorry, the daughter of the doctor who's created this. Wonder Cure. And she says, look, I can get you on a trial, but it's not going to be for two months. Yeah. And John Kramer doesn't say anything. And she goes, you haven't got two months, have you? And he's like, no. She's like, well, I've got a trial at the moment that starts in two days and I can get, or starts in seven days. I can get you on that trial. I can squeeze one more person in if you're, if you're willing. And John Kramer packs his bags and flies off to Mexico, picked up at the airport by a taxi driver. Yes, driven through Mexico and we're shown some of the sites, which I, I thought was a bit pointless. Um, then they get ambushed. Were you really it, confused? It's a bit at this pointless, point? but at the same time, it's not pointless because it ties back in at the end. Well, no, it ties back in about halfway through. Like it, the 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 taxi driver is basically saying all these sites that he sees, and he's like, "Oh yeah, everybody always gets me to take them to this one destination." So obviously Jigsaw knows that's the destination he will be able to find him in later on. This is true. Um, Were you confused when all these people jumped out of a van and were like, tried to kidnap, like looked like they were going to kidnap him? No, I I think that's what they were trying to insinuate in the film. I don't know whether it caught you up on it or not, but I kind of knew because of the phone call he had with her, how like covert she was being with it and that farmer, the farmer i don't even know what like the the big farmer thing that they've got going on where they're trying to talk about like if this wonder drug does come out then it's going to close down big pharmaceutical companies and it's a lack of business why would anybody want to cure cancer when it's such good business which is obviously true um unfortunately um 
so I kind of knew that that's where they were going with it. So when they all jumped out and grabbed him, I was like, oh, no, don't waste just a decoy. And the thing is, as well, there's been, I don't know whether the trailer reveals it or whether it's just a conversation me and you have had about the plot of this movie. So I kind of knew the direction it was going. So I was like, oh, they obviously don't want him to know where they're taking him to for the reasons which we'll probably discuss when we get to it. So I kind of, it didn't have that effect on me because I knew too much about the film already going in. Yeah, and that was all in the trailer. That he, yeah, they, so it was in the trailer then. Yeah. So yeah, I kind of knew. I kind of knew where they were going with it and why the situation Jigsaw ends up finding himself in. So I was like, oh, they're obviously doing it because they don't want him to know the location of where they're taking him to. Yeah, and it, I liked it because it was. I found it quite believable. If you're running a covert operation, you are gonna stop that person before they get to your medical treatment center and question them, and then take them so they don't know where they're going of course yeah and i mean it works both ways it works whether you know the plot or not or whether you actually believe what john kramer believes it still works in that situation as well because he could be a journalist or he could be an undercover agent for the pharma companies so it makes sense either way you look at it yeah um he's gets dropped off at a really big house quite grand house but a little bit run down there's a kid and a like dad kicking a ball outside he goes in and he meets a, a young girl when he first gets in there who um who welcomes him into the house shows him to his room and then we get like this montage of scenes where the head of the research facility is taking him round and introducing him to the nurse then he meets the doctor then he meets he meets all these people that are having the same treatment as him uh, or yeah. similar treatments as him. And he meets a guy who's having, he's got a bandage on his neck and he's like, Oh yeah, I, I've just had my operation. I'm, I, I'm all clear. I've just been told I can go home. So good luck, John. Nice, nice to meet you. And we roll literally straight from that to the next day where it's like, right, we're going to do your operation now. We'll give you a cocktail of drugs and we're going to get you, get you prepped. Um, yeah. They take him into a room. Uh, it's a, the only way to describe it is like a, <laughs> A clean room in a warehouse. It's basically like the cage from the TV series You. Yes, it is exactly that. That is exactly. Well, that's the first thing I thought when I saw it. I was like, oh, maybe he's here as well. He's going to keep his girlfriend locked up with him. (laughs) (laughs) Um, They lay him down on the bed and they say, look, we're going to sedate you for this, but you're not going to be fully under. You need to be awake so we can check that you're functioning and we're not damaging anything in your brain as we take this out. Um, and yep. while he's laying there, he's watching on a monitor as they dig around in his brain. Yep. Um, the next thing, he wakes up in a bed and the the head of the research facility is there. And she's like, well, you're healed. He's like, well, what happens now? She's like, the rest of your life happens now, John. You, 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 you're cured. You, you have a happy life. And he then says, thank you so much. And I will I'll send you the rest of the money. But this was the first mention of money as well. Yeah, his whole entire setup, which I thought was really clever. Because I was like, why are they doing this? There's no mention of money at all. Like, is she, are they doing it for free out the kindness of the heart? And then obviously, then we get this point, and it's like, okay, I'll send you the second. I'll wire you the second half of the transfer tomorrow. Yeah, and which was it, really cool. And for a cure for cancer, that figure would be high. Well, for John Kramer, it was two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Yes, which is a lot of money but if it was to if you was a guaranteed cure for your cancer and you had that available funds it you wouldn't even hesitate no 
is either I leave it as inheritance or I can extend my life by 10, 15 years. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going for the 10, 15 years, I think. Yeah, I can always earn more money to leave an inheritance. I never had any inheritance. I did all right. My yeah, kid would be fine. Exactly. If you can't bend for herself, it's tough shit. <laughs> um, John's so happy with his surgery that when he's back in the town, he goes and buys a gift. He buys a bottle of tequila because when he was going through his process, um, one of the girls gives him a tequila and says it's basically a Mexican tradition for good luck. And he yep. wants to buy a bottle of this local tequila and take to give to them. Yeah, um, but obviously the one thing as well, like he sat in the cafe, isn't he? And he's yeah. doing, obviously we, because I always wondered as well, I was like, because I, I haven't seen all of the Saw movies. I've seen the first two. I tried to watch Saw 3 and tapped out after like 20 minutes. I just couldn't buy it. It was terrible. Um, and I always wondered, what does John Kramer do for a job to be able to finance this operation that he's doing? And then we finally get that insight here. I don't know if you get it in any of the other movies, but you don't get it in the first two. Um <clears throat> But he's a he's an architect and a structural and an engineer. Yeah, which makes perfect sense, I suppose, in a way. And he sat in a restaurant and he's like using his mind to reference point um, landmarks that he's seen throughout his stay. And he's working out the distance between himself and this landmark from where he sat now. So then he also could work out when he was at the facility the distance from where he was from that landmark and use a compass and it was just so clever i was like that's really really cool i wish i was that sherlock holmes (laughs) to be able to do that shit it was really like a it was almost like a jason bourne moment where it's like i know that i was there and i know that that tower is that far away and i know that i can get there in that amount it was it was it's really clever but it was like it wasn't a case of he was rain man and it it all made perfect logical sense the way he figured it out and I was like that's so clever that he's just done that in a logical way without being unbelievable and it was just something that I really appreciated about this film when he did that and it was yeah. only such a small tiny little scene as well and I just thought that's really cool there's loads of little details they put in this that let's be honest for a Saw movie they did not have to there's lots of extra mile moments well, no, and that's the thing. For a Saw movie, this doesn't necessarily feel like a Saw movie, even though you've got all the traps and the storyline itself. But going over all the new metal, janky cutscenes and fast transactions, I mean, we get we get the tiniest little inkling to them, but then they tease it and then stop straight away and think, no, we're past this now. Yeah. And don't follow on with it. And I just thought, that's so cool, because that is one of my biggest bugbears with the movies that I've seen in this franchise so far, it's just the headache-inducing visuals that come with them. Yeah, uh, and this is this is so much more of a story than your normal Saw movie. This is not people trapped in a room with Jigsaw torturing them. There's actually a substance and a plot beyond the traps, which is what I really liked about this. Yeah, I mean, we must be 40 minutes in now, and all we've done is follow John Kramer's journey through his treatment. We haven't seen anything apart from that little tiny two-minute dream sequence that he had in the beginning. Yeah. Um, He gets to the facility. and Oh, oh, one thing as well, before we do get to the facility and he gets the crushing news, I really like that that way we sat on the bench and he was drawing that new saw trap. Yeah. So he sat on a bench and he's drawing this saw trap uh, the weather's really nice. He's feeling really good and positive about his treatment. And he just rips a page out of his book and crumples it up and puts it in the bin as if to sort of say, I'm hanging the hood up now. Yeah. I'm going to go and do a new life kind of thing. Yeah. Which I, I thought that again is just like so simple, but really cool. And like, it's a blink if you miss it kind of moment where he's had this redemption where he's like, I don't need to do this anymore. Yeah. And it's, it's little things. Like I say, it's little things like that that just make you go, 
this is more than just a torture movie, which the Saw movies are. This has got something else. And I think that's why I found myself being really drawn into this. Yeah. Um, Me too. I, I think, yeah, I think it's a different, it's, it's a, it's a fresh of breath out. Fresh of breath air. Fresh of breath air. <laughs> a breath of fresh air in a very tired sort of franchise, I think. And, it, and I think maybe I haven't seen Spiral, but I heard that sort of try to branch off and do something different. But that also sounds like it does a lot of the same things that the rest of the movies do. Spiral is, in my opinion, the worst out of all of them by miles. Wow. Are you sure yeah. I've seen the first 20 minutes of part three. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> it's terrible. Think of the Chris Rock character, right. like, trying to crack jokes and put him in the Saw universe where it's not Jigsaw, it's somewhere else, someone else, and then stick Samuel L. Jackson in saying motherfucker every 10 minutes. Oh, okay, okay. One of the things as well I will get to when I get when we get further on, but this massively, massively creates spoilers, by the way, for the rest of the franchise. If you have only seen... The first one, like this film insinuates you only need to. No, there is massive spoilers for the rest of the franchise if you haven't got that fire. <laughs> yeah, there is. Um, <laughs> John gets to the facility and it's barren and he's wandering around and he finds uh, the TV that he was watching his operation on. And then sat on the TV next to it is a, um, a box, which is a box of surgeries. And then he has a little click around on the remote and plays the VHS of the surgery he just had. Um, yeah. As soon as this moment happened, I was like, shit is going to go down and it's going to go down quick. Um, John gets the thing the is floor. as well, though, like he, in that moment, he, he throws a bottle of whiskey, the key, tequila on the floor, smashes a bottle. And it, it's like this, this scene goes on for a little bit longer than you would expect it to normally. Like he, you can feel the process in Kramer's brain as it's happening. He's like, shit, shit, holy shit. What the fuck has just happened? And you can see the cogs ticking in his mind and he eventually just breaks down, smashes his tequila bottle as he realizes he's being completely ripped off, goes to a mirror, pulls the bandages off his head where he should have had like a scar or a wound where he's just had brain surgery and there is nothing there. Yeah. It's like, Oh, fuck. Yeah, uh, he jumps straight on the phone and starts making phone calls. Uh, we don't know at this point who he's talking to. Um, spoilers, he's talking to the detective. detective. He uh, sees detective quite a lot, and I spent a big percentage of this film thinking, who is this detective he is talking to? Yeah, um, so he's talking to a detective. He's like, I need you to find some people for me. Um, and we then go into these people individually being captured. So... The nurse is oh, we we should we should say how he finds them first though because we mentioned about the landscape viewing with the taxi driver so he has no he doesn't know who anybody is none of them have names he can't refer to any of them to be able to talk to his detective friends so what he does is he goes to the location where the taxi driver said oh yeah people always get me to come here I don't know why it's strange so he goes there and the same taxi driver turns up and he drops off a couple of clients and Jigsaw gets in the back and instantly chloroforms him at which point then he tortures that guy in order to get the names of the people he tortures that, him to find out the names of that everybody that's basically torture, involved that torture is incredible yeah yeah so he's, so, um, do, do you want to talk i'll let you talk us through this yeah. trap because this trap is brilliant 
So basically, it has the taxi driver chained to sort of like a like a hospital bed, but it's upright. So he stood upright, and he's got two scalpels gaffer taped to his hands and rope across his chest, tying him to the gurney. He then has two bombs sewed sewn into his forearms with like metal wire, but they yeah. basically go through the skin to the bone and then back out the other side of the arm. So you couldn't just like untie them or cut them. Kramer comes in and says, look, there is no way you are going to be able to get out of these. The scalpels will not cut through the wire, but they will cut through flesh and bone. And he says to him, look, you've got three minutes, cut the bombs off and live to tell the story another day. Yeah. And this dude is like having a meltdown. A minute's gone by. I was like, he's just going to let himself blow up. If it was me, I'd just tug both the bombs to my head and hope for it to be quick and painless. Um, <laughs> But he doesn't. He does the opposite to what I expected him to. And he goes to town, man, and he's digging. And so he cuts the first one off and he's he puts his arm against the wall. He's just digging and digging and digging with his scalpel and manages to pull the first bomb off. And to me, I was like, shit, like he's just done that, but he's still got another bomb on the other arm. And now he's just completely fucked his first arm. How is he going to cut that off? And I like the way that it took the time to show that he was struggling because of the injury he'd received on his first arm to be able to take the second bomb off. Yeah, But what was more surprising than anything about this was that, for once, he actually succeeded in a saw trap and he took them both off and Kramer came down. I was like, is he just going to then kill him? But he doesn't. He brings him a first aid box and says, you're going to be all right, basically. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, and I, I like the fact that Jigsaw does have these... He's They're a very warped set of morals, but he does have a set of morals. If he tests you and you win, you win. <laughs> He doesn't then do it again. It's like, you won. Well done. Congratulations. You may you may leave. Yeah, one of my biggest gripes with this film, but I think I'm going to probably save it for my roundup, is surrounding his morals and the way that Kramer is displayed within this film. Yeah. Um, but I don't want to touch upon that too much right now. We'll, we'll save that for later, I think. No, yeah, we'll, we'll go into that. So th- this guy gives Kramer enough information that he can then get his detective friend and the returning Amanda to go and round everyone up. Um they round them all up from different places. And I'll be honest, the roundup scenes is, it's the pig mask. It's cool. We've seen it before. There's nothing here that made me go, oh, that's really cool. They all get rounded up and they get dragged up to the facility where they had. It was all, yeah, they're all pretty generic roundups apart from the last one, which is like the main pharmaceutical woman who's brought them in. And this was like, a, it was a tag team effort from Kramer and Amanda to get her, which I really liked where it was Amanda walking across the roof and she dropped, thing through the skylight which then caused her to run into the car to escape at which point Kramer was in the back seat waiting for it it's almost like they forced her in that direction to be able to pin her because her house was so fortified which yeah. they really showed you had like spotlights everywhere and security cameras everywhere it's like shit we're not just going to be able to walk in and get this woman we need to sort of trap her and they they lure her into a certain location to get her and I thought that was really clever and I appreciated they did that um, and it was cool to see him team up. It felt like the Corey Michael team up in Halloween ends. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would I would argue that this team up is better than Corey. Oh and yeah, I would definitely argue that's the case. <laughs> um, we get them to the facility, and they're all tied up and chained up in various different ways. And this is the only movie where Jigsaw is not hiding behind his TV screen. He's not hiding behind Billy the puppet on a screen. He literally walks in because he knows all these people. And he basically stands there and goes, you all fucked me over. Um, now How did I'm... you feel about that? 
I quite liked it. I liked the dynamic that they knew who he was. He knew who they were. So he's like, I don't need to hide behind a screen. You've, you've hurt me. I want you to know that it is me. I think the thing is as well, I think why I liked it more than what I should have done is because this feels very personal. This yeah. One. And I think that's why he kind of put himself at the forefront and wanted them to see him because this wasn't a redemption for anybody else. This was his revenge. It's a revenge film more than it is a jigsaw trying to seek somebody's redemption and trying to show them a way for a better life. This is a case of, do you actually even want them to survive this? And he's showing his face because he really doesn't want any of them to make it out of it. No, he doesn't. And the traps he set up clearly display at no point does he want anybody. The only person he's got like any kind of inkling for is the the young girl who greeted him and brought him the tequila. He's got. I don't think he does. I don't think he does. I think he's more pissed off at her than anything because of her betrayal, because he thought she was his friend and she genuinely cared about him. But like the only person who seems to show any sort of um, emotion and sort of can relate to her is Amanda because she's a drug addict. Yeah, which Amanda but, was. So they share a common yeah. challenge. So, so like, because he wanted Gabriel to be the second one up in the trap, and it wasn't if it wasn't for Amanda, she would have been. But Amanda was like kicking up a fuss and was like, "No, no, no, leave her, leave her, leave her." Yeah, and he keeps having that conversation with her, and he's like if you're going to get too attached to this, you are not going to be able to deal with what's coming up. Yeah. We're talking about what is going to happen in the future film sort of thing. Which, like, which, you're not going to be able to handle this because she's his protege, isn't she? She's going to go on and then lead it after he's gone. Yeah. So, and she's instrumental in Saw 2. She is. Yeah. yeah I've seen uh, Saw 2. Saw 2 is great. Yeah. Um, the first trap he puts one of them in, there is a bandsaw chain at neck height. And in a little box, there is a a handsaw, not like a handsaw you chop wood with. This is like a wire saw. It's used in surgery, and basically you hold both ends and you pull it backwards and forwards, and it yeah. cuts through. And it will cut through flesh. It will cut through bone. And John Kramer says, you've got three minutes to remove your leg with that and place it in that box. If not, that chain that's by your neck is going to take your head clean off. Um, yeah, so she's got to cut her leg off with the piano wire saw, then stick a needle inside her bone where she's cut the leg off to drain the bone marrow fat onto the tube, which then goes onto a sort of like a scale, which yeah. then tips the scale up once the bone marrow fat goes on it to then release a key to be able to free herself from the saw yeah. that's going to cut her head off. Um, I'd just accept death at this point. Um, she's kind of on that mindset as well. And it's actually the woman who run the facility, like egging her on. Like, Yeah. Going, and I just couldn't believe the fucking sheer brutality of the way she just goes to town on her leg, man. I was like, oh, and I'm sat there in the cinema and it's like, I went to see this on my own. And there was like, it was to be honest with you, I was surprised at how packed the cinema was actually for a Friday afternoon. There was many people there and I was just sat there and I was like, God, this just feels so uncomfortable to be sat here watching and enjoying this film on my own. Like, I feel a bit weird because <laughs> she's, it's just so graphic. It is, it's, it's up there. Terrifier levels of gore and practical effects are great as well. Oh, fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. In typical Saw style, um, she fails with seconds to go and the bandsaw comes along, decapitates her and her head bounces across the floor. And I was like, shit, they are not pulling 
any punches in this movie at all. Like normally, the one thing that got me about this as well, like that particular kill, is when she cuts her leg off and she takes a tube to drain the marrow fat out of her leg, and then it starts pulling through the tube, but it pulls through a load of blood. I was like, oh, right, it's just going to fill the thing with blood. But the actual thing that it's landing on is like a colander. So, yeah. like, blood just dripped straight through it, but only bone marrow fat stayed. And I thought, oh, shit, she stuck the tube in the wrong place. And now she, because obviously it was excruciatingly painful for her to stick it in the first place. Like, shit, she's going to have to pull it out and then stick it back in again in the right place. But actually, it was just the blood siphoning through. And I was like, fuck, man. It, it, it was bad. It was a bad kill, a really, really hard to watch scene, I think. Yeah. And the, the next, so we literally roll from this straight into the next trap. This well, is... we do, but we don't, because the next thing that we do is Amanda pulls a table into the middle of the room. Oh, which yes. Has, yes. It has I, the main farmer boss's I forgot phone. about this. Yeah, I forgot about this. And this it's is... quite pivotal to the yeah, end. Yeah, it is. They pull, she has a table in the middle of the room, and basically they're, they're all in change in certain points of the corner of this room that they're all trapped in, and they have to, like, like right, we need to get the phone, but none of them can reach because they're all on chains. So this cold bitch who runs this pharma company basically can reach the body of Valentine, I want to say her name is, yeah. begins with a V, um, and drags the body over and literally just cuts her stomach open, pulls out her intestines, and is like, now we have rope. And then she passes it around the room, so they've basically got it in a lasso around this table, and she wheels the table over to grab the phone, at which point she calls her boyfriend. Yeah, but Amanda comes in just in time. As the yeah, phone and call takes, starts and zaps her. And, and this was rough, like where she's like, she slings these like intestines over to the first bloke. He's like, I don't want to touch it. And she's like, Would well, you want to fucking die? Pick it up and fr-. she's got no soul at yeah. all. No, no. And they they set that up really, really well. I think. I think everything actually throughout this film it all sets up pretty, pretty well for the climax. Yeah. Um. After they've done this and Amanda's taken the phone, this is where we get the the second trap. Um, guy's put in a chair. He's um, he's given a surgical saw, like a like a almost like a dentist drill, and he needs to cut into his into his head, into his brain, and remove brain tissue. Yeah, and put it basically put it in a box. To stop the trap, dissolves in acid. Yeah, it dissolves in acid. The amount of enzymes that come out will cut the power to the device. Yeah, yeah. I didn't really understand the science behind this one, but it it worked for what it was. I thought. I thought it was pretty cool. I think Um, what I loved about this is they don't tell you. Basically, they just say it's a live or die, you decide moment. But at no point does Jigsaw say what will happen if you fuck it up. No. So I, I watched this one going. Well, what's going to happen? What is he going to explode? Is he going to get electrocuted? Is something going to stab him? What's and I was not prepared for what happened. No, because <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, as well, each one of them, it, Jigsaw or John Kramer, as he's referred to in this film, he makes a pivotal point at the very beginning of saying, "You don't have time to hesitate," and every single one of them up until this point hesitate for about thirty seconds prior. Yeah. We all know that each individual kill, like the girl who put the bone marrow fat through the first one, had she not hesitated for the first 10, 15 seconds, she would have had enough time and she would have survived that trap. Yeah. But she literally did the cut, cut her leg off, did the drill, and then she was like two seconds out of getting enough marrow fat onto that thing to be able to save herself. 
the second guy, he spent about 30 seconds to a minute wasting time. But then by the time he actually went through and executed it, he himself was only a few seconds out of being able to get free from the trap as well. So it's like, it's so important for you not to hesitate in that moment. It's like, do it or you're fucked, basically. Yeah, and I I love I love this trap. So he's got these two things either side of his head, which i be honest, I thought was part of the chair that he was wheeled in on. And when the timer runs out, they start to glow red hot because they're they're heat they're basically heating tongs. And yeah. then all of a sudden both sides of this slam shut around his face and bake his face. So cool. Really cool. And awful. I was kind well. of hoping it would have opened at the end as well to sort of like reveal his like melted head. I yeah. Know that's a bit, bit twisted, but I would have preferred to like, I think that would have been a cool thing to show. Is like open it and then just see his head like sort of slump, and they'll all just be like, "Holy shit!" Yeah, the, the thing is though, the only one who's really bothered is the the girl. I think. Yeah, well, there's only Gabriel, the girl, Gabriella, the girl, Gabriella, left, the and girl, and the bitch. The bitch, yeah, they're the only um, two surviving members now. And this is where they're about to get Gabriella in her trap, but they get a visitor. There's someone banging on the the door outside. This is the guy who had the treatment, who had the um, cut on his neck, who wish John good luck, and he's banging on the door going, you fucking robbed me, I need my money back. So yes. they go and they let him in, and John Kramer sits down, and they basically they, they have a chat. They're like, look, I'm going to let you, John basically says, I'm going to let you be part of this, but there are no guns. Give me yeah. your fucking gun now, and you could be well, a they, Well, they knock him out, don't they? They knock yeah. him, Amanda knocks him out. They set up like this sort of decoy pig head thing, which has got the head of valentine and he shoots out a few times when he walks in and then amanda jumps out from behind and knocks him out when he comes round, he's chained to a chair and they amanda and john basically explain to him the situation they're in he's like i appreciate you've been robbed they've robbed me to basically what we're doing you have a choice to make you could even be a part of it and follow the rules but he never actually says what the other option is he says you need to play along or it's not going to end well for you basically yeah, you need to play along or it's not going to end well. And also no guns. So I'm going to put your gun in this locker. Well, you can see me placing it. <laughs> yeah, well, you can see me placing it because later that's important. So I'm going to put it here. Look, it's there. It's very much that moment. Yeah. Um, and then they set up the trap for the second girl. I don't know, Gabriella is now in the trap. And this guy is still chained to a chair at this point. He's then now watching yeah, as it unfolds. This trap is she's chained by one arm and one ankle. And she's lifted up and they've got a big industrial heat blower. We've got one of these in our warehouse at work. Um, and these are, you wouldn't want to get anywhere near. This is basically a jet engine. It kicks well, no, up. This is, the, this is a radiation machine. It, 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 they say it's a radiation machine. It, it's a giant heat blower. I thought it was a radiation machine that they used on him at the beginning to, because he says oh, this is, he basically has a full conversation about it, about it being the radiation machine that they used to scan his brain. Okay. So, well, yeah. So I think that's what it is. I think it's a radiation machine that they use to scan his brain. Because when he comes into the warehouse later on, it's all trashed. I'm pretty sure that is the same bit of machinery that is now okay. had elevated onto the roof. Because that's yeah. one thing again that I really appreciate about this film. Like all of his traps are really makeshift in the moment. Yeah. And you can see the clear. You can see that clearly. It's not like all the other saw traps that we see throughout the franchise, where he spent time working on them and building them. These are all put together in a, in a quick spare of the moment thing. They're all very amateurish in comparison to the rest of them. 
which was really cool. So I think I do believe that that is the radiation machine from the beginning that they was using on the CT scans, but he's just sort of modified it into like this fucking jet engine. Yeah, so, and basically it, it's going to melt her face. Um, and he gives her a hammer hanging from a, the roof that she can get with her other hand. So she has to use the hammer to basically bash her body to free her. Um, she break is it a is her foot she breaks first. See, this is the thing as well because the woman said so. So the the one who's holding her arm up is pulling her up to the ceiling. The mm-hmm. one that's holding her leg up is pulling her down to the floor. Yeah. But the bitchy woman said because she's going to go and do her arm first. And I was like, yes, do your arm. You drop to the floor. You're safe. Yeah. You still got your leg in chains, but you're on the floor. Yeah. I'm well away from this radiation machine. But the woman turns around and says, no, 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 no. Do your leg first and it will swing you out of the way of the machine. I was like, that's stupid. Do your arm first and you'll fall to the floor. Yeah. So anyway, she does her leg first. And, and this, it's rough. It's really rough. And this bit was, it, I actually laughed a little bit at this. So she, she busts her foot and it's really brutal and it's not nice. And she pulls her foot through and she swings away. And you see this moment where she's like, oh, oh. I'm out of it. I'm out of it. And then this giant radiation jet engine machine just like slides along the wall and stops right in front of her face again. It's like, oh man. I know. And that's what I mean. That's why I was like, you should have done your arm first and you would have just fallen to the ground. Um, she then does her arm. Um, it's, it's just rough. Um, she survives this trap. She, she hits the deck yeah. and she, she survives. Um, and John basically comes down. And he tells Amanda, "You need to get her, get her some help, um, get her some medical treatment. Go, go and take her, drop her at a hospital." And this is where it all goes a little bit wrong for John, because you get the guy who turned up earlier is now out, and he's downstairs with his gun. Um, he's the boyfriend of Cecilia. That's her name. Yeah, he's the boyfriend of Cecilia. They have a kiss. And he's like, I'd, I'd never leave you behind, baby. And I was yeah. like, oh, man. And he's got a so, gun. He's pointing at me. It's like, oh, shit, this is bad. So he's played the victim, really. He comes in and he's he pulls a bandage off to show that he has not had any surgery and he's been in on it the whole time. Yeah. But I like the way that when he turns up, he plays along pretending to be robbed because he knows that something's wrong. So instead of going in there, guns blazing, being like, "Get, let her free, let her free, he plays along to try and gain their trust in order to gain access. Yeah, and this is where they basically say that John, you're you're gonna you're gonna suffer for what you Cecilia's like, you're gonna suffer for what you've done to me. And the best way to do that is you like to play games. I know who you are, I know you're the jigsaw killer, and you don't like to see an innocent person die. And we see the little boy who we saw at the beginning who's kicking a ball around, who at one point John Kramer fixes his bike. He really bonds with this little kid. Yeah. Um we see this little kid kicking a ball. And she goes and gets the little kid and walks him in. I was like, "Ah, oh, you bitch. I, yeah. I, re- I really wasn't on board for this at all. No, I wasn't at all as well. I didn't like this. This made me really uncomfortable. Um, but it pays off. And in hindsight, it's fucking fantastic. Um, but I, I like how insulting she is to John in this moment. She's like, oh, you think you're so clever. You think you're the most intelligent man alive, but you've been beaten and been bested by me. How does that make you feel? I'm like, oh, shit, that's bad, man. Like, in this moment, I was genuinely like, what the fuck? As if this has happened, as if you've let this happen, you're so strategic with your planning. How have you not seen this coming? 
Yeah, and I, I think I think it's believable that this has happened to him because of the personal nature and because everything he's done is so rushed. It's a he's pulled this out. Like, this is like because a, it's personal. Yeah, it's it's the back of a cigarette packet design that he's done in twenty minutes. Got everything yeah. set up and like rounded them all up. It's and one thing he's always specified throughout this film to Amanda that he constantly re- re- reiterates to her is. Don't let your emotions get the better of you. And it's clear that in this moment, his emotions have got the better of him and he's become bested. He's been yeah. done by her because he's become too emotionally involved in the situation. And he's also got a line in this that I love that I didn't understand it until the end where he turns around to Amanda and he goes, look, whatever happens, stick to the plan because I guarantee one way or the other, this will turn out okay. Yeah. And I was like, that's a really odd... when he first said it, I was like, that's a really odd thing for you to say, Mr. Kramer. I don't I don't get it. Um, but it it comes full circle shortly. Um yep. they put John and this little boy in a basically it's like a seesaw where they're laying on it. And they've got two handles. So when John pulls the handle, it keeps him upright. And when the little boy pulls the handle, it puts him down. And when they're down, they get blood dripped down on them, so they're being waterboarded with blood. Yeah. Um, the little boy goes first, and John pulls the lever, so he goes, so John goes down, and John's being waterboarded. And John holds on to that for dear life with this little boy frantically trying to take Save a turn it. so John doesn't die. Um, and John goes limp while he's holding the chain. Um, Why this is happening... Uh, Cecilia and her boyfriend go up into the main room where they were watching on the monitors to get their yeah, money. One thing they do with that trap as well is they do show it, it happens like I think the first time it goes down, it goes because he says to the boy, doesn't he, in Mexican, he's like, because they don't understand Mexican, everybody else, there, apart from John and this little boy. And he's saying to him, whatever happens, don't pull the lever. John's basically saying to him, just let me take this one. Let yeah. me take the waterboarding because obviously John knows how the trap works. So they have this big thing where they're like, come on, John, he's a little kid. You're not going to tell him the rules of the game. You're not, you're just going to let him go in this blind. I thought you have to ex- explain to people how they can survive this. And John's like, this isn't right. This isn't right. Don't do this. Don't do this. And you see this side to him where you're like, holy shit. Like he genuinely cares about this kid. Um, and he says in Mexican to the lad, don't pull the lever. Yeah. So nobody else knows what's going on apart from John and this kid. And it goes up and it's obviously a seesaw thing. And John takes a first hit to the point where he passes out. But then the kid sees that John's struggling and nearly dying. And he does it not just for himself. He grabs a lever in order to save John's life. And he takes a second hit on the waterboard. And I'm like, holy shit, what a hero as if he's doing that. And then John basically then takes it again for the final time. But while this seesaw back and forth is going on, the boyfriend turns around and he's like, I can't watch this sort of thing. I'm going to go find the money. Yeah. At which point Cecilia then follows him up into the room. Yeah. And this is the coolest bit. I I love this moment. So they're up in the room. They find what they think is the money. And when they pull this bag out, the door shuts and, and time a timer starts. starts. And I was like, fucking Yes. Uh, yeah. The room starts filling up with gas. Oh, before it fills up with gas, there's a tape that says, play me. They push play on the tape and it goes, 
the room is filling with gas and there's there's only one way to get air and there's one place where they can put their like the top half of their body out and breathe yeah and this just causes the two of them to have a full-on fight um yeah and she stabs him and she gets sort of she's hanging out and she's getting the air john gets out of the trap or amanda gets john and the little boy out of the trap but they both they both get out simultaneously because this is all a ruse this was a plan the whole time so he tells him to handcuff himself and tells amanda to handcuff herself in these traps but as soon as they're inside that room, they just unclip the traps. They were never trapped in them in the first place. This was all a big charade to fool them into thinking that they were playing along on their terms. But John yeah. knew what he was doing from the start. And it, and this is where we get the reveal that John knew this was a boyfriend from the start because the, because the taxi driver gave him the information as to who he was. He was like, the guy who said he's having throat cancer, he's in on it as well. He's Cecilia's lover. Don't fall for his shit either. So when he bursts through, you get all these flashback sequences explaining. Because I, at the time, when this was all happening at the end, I was like, oh, God, this is so... Because they get trapped in the room and you think it's all, like, legit. And then they've just coincidentally managed to free themselves at the right time. It's all just perfectly fallen into place. But then they play the tape and they start giving all flashback sequences of how John knew he was a boyfriend. He knew he would turn up. The table that they set in the middle of the room that they grabbed with the intestines was purposefully placed there so she would call him yeah. to get him to come and rescue her. And it's like, oh, fuck. And it's got that. It, it's not quite as good as the first time you watch the first Saw movie where he steps up from the middle of the room. But I tell you what, it's not fucking far off. And they hit the so they hit the so normally you get the jigsaw like the da 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 da. Normally that hits at the very end of the movie. In this movie, that music starts the second that they start the reveal that John has fucked them over, and he knew everything from the start. I was like, oh, so cool, so cool. And you get this bit where John, the little boy, and Amanda all kind of john almost gives like a smile to this woman hanging out like out of this window to get air it's almost like a who's clever now motherfucker it's yeah but the thing is like that room then she survives in a way yeah. because she I like the way as well she amanda says to the boyfriend is like she's going to kill you one way or the other she will turn on you and you are going to die at her hands yeah i'm like that's cool. Like, are you just saying that because she's a bitch and she screws everybody over or do you actually mean it? And it turns out she actually means it because the trap was basically like, there is a hole. Only one of you can get out for air. Once the timer's up, the gas will stop, but you will both not survive this room unless one of you wins, basically. Yeah. And they have to fight and she kills him Yeah. in order to stick her out. But she survives that. The timer runs out. John, Amanda and the little boy leave and she's just left there. And I'm like, so what happens now then? Does she... She Get waits out of the for the room to go yeah. about all day, or she she waits for the gas to dissipate, and like the rules of every saw game, she will escape. Um, which is why I think we will get a sequel to this. It will be her coming after John, but we'll talk about that later. I think yeah. that's where but they'll like, go with it. Does a, what are they going to open the room to let her out, or they're just going to keep her trapped in there forever? I'd, no, I, I, I don't I, know. I, it was too vague at the end for me for this final person. I didn't like the vagueness I, of her survival. I, I didn't like the vagueness of her survival, but I think they've deliberately done that because I think what they're going to do is tie the next saw they do, which will be saw 11. They'll tie it into the end of two, beginning of three, and she will be causing chaos for John 
on something else. And I think that's where they'll go with it. Um, what do you think of the post credit scene? I loved, I loved so, this so much. So, right. For context, I've seen Saw 1 and 2. I started Saw 3 and I watched the first 20 minutes and the acting in that is fucking piss poor. It was very late at night. I will go back and finish it. But at the time, it was like half 10, 11 o'clock. Got half an hour in. I was like, yeah, I'm done. This is not holding my focus or my engagement whatsoever. But to tie that context in with the end of this film, we get John who goes, we basically, the credits roll and then we get a mid credit scene, which features a guy who was pretending to have the surgery, which lured John in in the first place. He gave yeah. him the details, the guy that he met in the coffee shop. He's hung upside down. I don't even know if he's upside down. No, he's, up, he's the right but, way up. Yeah, not that that matters. Basically, he's in a saw trap. An income detective who's been helping Kramer find and locate all of these people. Spoiler alert for Saw 3 because he is a detective. At the, I don't know if it's a reveal at the end of that movie, Yeah, how involved he is or whether he's revealed yeah, in like I, Saw 12. I think, it's, I think it's revealed at the end of 3 or beginning of 4 that he was involved. But yeah, that moment where they're in the original room as well. They're in the room from the first Saw movie. They're in that bathroom. Oh, I didn't pick up on that. Yeah, and he's, he's hung up and John lifts his shirt and goes, Where's your scar? scar? <laughs> and he's like, John, John, listen to me. And John's like, we're going to play a game. And then John just walks away and then the rest of the credits roll. I was like, yeah. And I was glad they made a point of going back and getting that guy. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. Cause obviously he's John's in Mexico throughout the whole of this film, but that guy he had the interaction with in the coffee shop was back in America. He's done his work there. He's gone home and he hasn't let it settle. No, he's definitely not let it slide. And he's gone after him once he's got back. And I thought that was cool. I was always cool. That I didn't, yeah, I thought it was cool that it didn't leave any loose ends in that instance and went back and tied it up. I just think with, I don't know, it, it just annoyed me a little bit because I, I was always spending the whole time throughout it thinking, who's this detective? Because I've watched the start of Saw 3 and it's Donnie Wahlberg breaks his foot out of that cage. We still don't know what's happened to Donnie Wahlberg. I don't know if that's revealed in Saw 3 either. I don't know if we find out what happened to him in the rest of that movie. So I was thinking maybe he was the detective that Jigsaw was referring to. I was like, oh, it's Donnie Wahlberg. That's who he's on the phone to. That's who's helping him. Yeah. Um, but then, no, it's not. It's a weird, creepy guy who looks like Martin McFly's dad. Yeah, he do. he really does, actually. Um, we've got a new feature for new releases. Um, I've been asking for people their thoughts going in, and then we're going to get three-word reviews and see if how people expected this movie to be is what they got at the end. Um, so thoughts going in. Uh, we'll start with X or Twitter. Uh, Voices from the Mausoleum, Angel. Uh, I'm so excited. Uh, I'm going open opening night, currently revisiting the entire franchise. I've always had a lot of love for this franchise. I even made something extra special to wear to the theatre, which were some jigsaw earrings, which were... I saw awesome. that. That was cool. Really Very cool. cool. Well done. Well done, by the way, Angel. Yeah. Um, on Instagram, the sickness horror, super hyped. But that's where they were. Um, we've got... Warren Badensky, I'm excited. For seven years, Saw and Halloween has been a Halloween tradition for me. I love these movies and how well the story connects between them. The more recent ones haven't quite hit the mark, but I'll always give them a go. Uh, we've got uh, K Lampe 7, for, can't even speak today. K Lampe 5678. <laughs> uh, can't wait, bought tickets last night. Um, so everyone went into this fairly positive. Yeah, I d we didn't get anyone who went 
fuck this movie. I'm not interested. Where where were you at going in? Uh, I was kind of, we'll see what they do. I'm not a big fan of this franchise. I was like, I want to see it because Toby and Bell is back. That was my sole interest. Yeah, I, I wasn't fussed at all. I think no. if he weren't doing it tonight on the show, I probably wouldn't have even bothered to see it. No, up I, until I, the point when I made my way made my way through the franchise. I still would have <clears> gone and seen it, but I don't think I would have given it probably it probably wouldn't have gone and seen it like within the first two days it was out. Um I wonder how well that matches up. Zoinks! Three word reviews, man. Uh we'll start with TikTok. Uh Scary Larry. Uh, or as some people know him, Chunky Larry. Did he change his name now? Uh, he's changed his name because he got his account banned again, so it's a new account, Scary Larry, <laughs> on TikTok. Uh, completely useless cash grab. Uh, we've got that horror weirdo, the best since three. I, I don't know if I can agree with that. Three was bad. Yeah, it seems bad. Yeah. Uh, threads, uh, Granite Creativity, Bell's best performance. Um, Slasher didn't play this week. Uh, I got a feeling I might be shadow banned or something because I had we had loads of interaction every single week, and now I'm getting nothing. So, Mister Slasher app, who runs that app, if you are listening, please fix it because we had yes. loads of interaction and now we're getting like none. Like I posted a meme that had hundreds of views and likes on every single social media channel on slasher had one like ah strange Mm, very odd yeah i think it still early works with slasher i think it's just something we're gonna have to persevere with yeah exactly that uh on x we've got entropic enigma tobin bell's best best performance there's loads of love for tobin bell in this movie loads uh instagram uh kaylan pay five six seven eight uh favorite my favorite saw um, so went in expecting good things and come out getting exactly what she wanted. Uh, Dude Glass, maybe my favourite. So, yeah, another good run. Uh, Voices from the mau- Mausoleum, uh, emotionally charged experience. Paul Tam's uh, absolute seesaw and Crimson Mask, a gory good time. So All fairly positive. Uh, there's there's uh, there's one negative in there, which is Larry. Uh, me and Larry had a back and forth on TikTok today about Saw. Uh, we do not see eye to eye on this movie, but hey, me and Larry rarely see eye to eye anyway. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's do. It's time for facts and fuck ups. I really need to get Dave. To, there are some new sound bites because we don't do fuck ups anymore. But anyway, um, this was originally coming out on the 27th of October. Um, they pulled it forward to September because of The Exorcist Believer coming out. And I think that's the best decision they ever made because they managed to create the hashtag Sawtember, which has trended so many times on X, I've lost count. Wow. Mm. So they had Sawtember and Sawrex, both of which. I mean, it still works in Sawtober, does it not? Yeah, I, I, I think it was, we're going to go in September because the Exorcist is big. We don't know much about it and that may damage us. Yeah, I think based on... Uh... Well, we'll fi- screenings. <laughs> you might <laughs> well, not have had a problem with that. <laughs> uh, we'll find out next week. Uh, um, uh, Lionsgate, did you notice the Red Gears logo come back? Yeah, the twisted pictures at the beginning. No, no, no. So you got the, the gears turning and then it's the red background for Lionsgate. Um, they've not used that since 2010. Oh, cool. 
um, which they brought back for this. That was actually on the back of a uh, basically a petition that Bloody Disgusting started. Basically said, look, Saw movies have to have that. Spiral didn't have it and it flopped, so bring it back. And Lions go, and yeah, okay. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, Listen exper- to the fans, people. Listen it, to the fans. Exactly. Um, the experimental treatment that John goes for um, is the same treatment that he saw and was denied in a flashback in Saw 4. So in Saw 4, he went to find this experimental treatment and it was the doctor who was the dad of the bitch in this. And he was told no. Oh, so it does actually tie in, have levity. It it does actually tie in, which I thought was really cool. And it ties in so well that John mentions that this experimental procedure is in Norway and he's got the funds to get there and to pay for it. But the guy said no. And the woman says her dad's working in Norway. Right. So So in context to the story, then. He will have gone to try and contact the dad after this movie to get treatment. Even though he's killed and murdered her, he's, oh no! I suppose she survived. So he didn't she, kill she, her she survived. He just tested her. But yeah, maybe okay. that's what we're getting in the next movie. John trying to bargain with the dad. Look, I didn't kill her. I just kind of maimed her a bit. Which one does he die in? I can't remember. I think it might be five. It might be five. Oh, so he has a good run in the franchise then before he actually. It, dies. He's he he appears in every movie apart from Spiral. In a flashback. Oh, so even or... if he's de- oh, right, okay. So even if he's dead, he's still in it. Yeah, he's he's in every single Saw movie, which I don't think many people realise. Um, the dream sequence of the eye vacuum um, is the only Saw trap in the entire franchise designed to maim and not kill. Oh yeah, of course, because that wouldn't actually kill you, would it? I mean, it'd fucking hurt. Yeah, but you'd survive it. And it's the only one in the entire, across 10 movies, the only one that's not designed to kill you, which, again, cool. But, again, it's not a real trap, so I suppose that doesn't really matter. Well, this this is true. Um, oh, I, I burnt this one a second ago, just in general conversation. Tobin Bell's ninth appearance as John Kramer. Uh, he was absent in Spiral. Uh, so is Spiral, is, is, is Spiral number nine, then? Spiral is number nine and part of the same universe, but it, it's it's terrible. So I didn't know whether it was like Saw 9, Spiral, and then they've gone back and gone Saw 10. Yeah, so no, Spiral is still part of the timeline and it's still... Yeah, it still I, I, I use the term, it still holds continuity loosely. Very yeah, loose. I know. I know it's its own separate like sort of entity. It's called the Book of Saw or the Book of something. Yeah. Um, but I didn't know whether that was considered part of like the one, two, three thing. Um, Saw is likely to get green. Saw 11 is likely to get greenlit early next year. Um, And the reason for that, this cost $13 million to make. How much do you think it's made from, we're recording this on the 6th of October. So in seven days, how much has this taken at the cinema? 63 million. No, 36 Oh, well off, but, but but still good in a week. That's in a week, oh yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, tri- almost and, tripled its budget. And the thing is, whether I love Saw or not, it's always nice. I mean, this is a franchise that has dominated theatres every October for as long as I can remember. Yeah. Every year, there has always been a Saw film out around Halloween time. Yeah, and th- this was a good one. We've had lots of shocking ones, but this was a good one. Um what episode would be better to feature a quiz but this one but 
like John Kramer, I've had a bit of a change of heart. So I've been told numerous times that it's unfair for me to quiz Mark without warning and basically put him in an awkward position where it pisses him off. It makes me laugh, but I've been told that that's not fair. So I decided to take a leaf out of Jigsaw's book in a new game called Seesaw. Hello. If you are listening to this, that means that the confrontation you so long dreamed of is finally unfolding. Do you want to play a game? You think you will walk away untested? So I would be careful if I were you, or all the people you've burned with your act just might have their revenge. So both me and Mark are armed with 10 questions each. Uh, One of us will go first, asking the other one a question. If that person gets it correct, they then ask a question. If they get it wrong, the first person asks another question. The first one to get through all 10 questions is the winner. Now, if we get a situation where, for example, Mark hit me with his 10th question and I got it right, I would then be able to question Mark again. But if he got that correct, I lose. So it's the first person to burn through all 10 questions is the winner. Uh, right. This is the first time ever me and Mark have gone head to head like this. Um, in the spirit of being very John Kramer like. I'm going to give you a choice, Mark. Would you like to ask the first question or would you like to be gracious and let me ask the first question? So it's a case of who gets through their questions first. Yeah. I'm going first. (laughs) (laughs) So you don't want to be gracious at all then? Not even in the slightest, no. (laughs) Fabulous. Okay, fire away. Question number one. What are the names of Chucky and Tiffany's only child in the Child's Play franchise? And I want both names. Glenn and Glenda. You motherfucker. That was one of those ones where I thought you either know it or you don't, or even if you don't know it, you're like, like, do you know what I mean? Like, it's one yeah. of them where you'll be like kicking yourself for like dead. I can't believe you got that. That was like my <laughs> ultimate trick question as well. <laughs> uh, my first question, how many Saw films feature Tobin Bell? Nine. That's correct. Well done. Your turn. And that's only because you just fucking said it about <laughs> 10 minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> right question number two how many resident evil movies are there in the Mila Mila Jolkovich starring Paul W S Anderson series resident evil I will give you a multiple choice it's five uh, six uh, okay. seven or eight like seven that is incorrect oh shit Okay. Do I give you the answer for that, or do you get a second you, attempt after? No, 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 no. You tell me the answer, and then you get to question me again. Fuck. Oh, brilliant! Right, that is the answer is six. So you've got Resident Evil, then you've got Resident Evil Apocalypse, Extinction, Afterlife, Retribution, and then the final chapter, which is the sixth and final one in that series. <clears throat> question number three: The movie Hocus Pocus centers around three witches known as the Sanderson Sisters, but can you tell me their individual names? Oh my god, Winifred. Yep. Um Sarah. Yep. 
Oh god, what's Kathy the Jammy's character called? I've gone blank. I don't know it. Yes. Ah, Michelle. Oh, close. <laughs> it was Mary. Damn it. Oh, I thought you would have got that one as well, to be honest with you. Question number four. I am on a roll with these. You are. <laughs> In the movie Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers, I hate this question already. Shot a suspected Michael behind a bush. Unfortunately, this was not Michael. But can you tell me the name of the character that was behind the bush? No, I genuinely can't. Oh God, no way! I have no clue whatsoever. <laughs> um, I don't know. Billy Bob Thornton. No clue. Unfortunately, that is incorrect. The answer is Ted Hollister. And oh, the reason that... why I put that question in as well is because Gareth from Video Tastings did a reel about it today and I thought, I guarantee he will have seen that. So I'll pl- I'll throw him a lifeline midway through. Yeah. He obviously didn't see that. Uh, no, I didn't see it. And my hatred for Halloween 4 blinds any information in that movie. It's just rage. As soon as you said Halloween 4, you could have gone, what colour is Michael Myers' mask? And I'd have been like, <laughs> fucking red. Red is red. <laughs> Oh, this is brilliant. I'm at the question five mark already. So I'm like halfway through my questions. Let's see how you do. I've done one. You've done one, exactly. (laughs) Who wrote the book which the movie The Exorcist was adapted from? Peter Benchley. No, fuck, it's not. Yeah, I do. It's William Franklin. (laughs) Do you want to try that again? (laughs) No, I don't. I fucking got blank. Both of your first attempts were like somewhere near. <laughs> Try and mash them together and get something substantial. William Benchley. I don't know. <laughs> it was William Peter Blatley. Fuck's sake. <laughs> you were so close. There is no way you're getting question number six right as well. This is a sort of base quiz. You, we, we have to make them hard. You're not supposed to be able to defeat this. I, I, I understand. I understand. <laughs> I, I need to get one so at least I can start fighting back because I feel at the moment I'm very much under fire. You are indeed. Question number six. In the movie Cube, a group of strangers awaken inside a surreal prison with a seemingly endless maze of interlocking rooms. But how many rooms are there? And I will give you this to the nearest 5,000, just to give you an inkling of the size of number. There are... 70,000. No, it's not. There are 17,576 rooms. Levin, the the character, the the geeky character in that movie, figures out that the outer shell is measuring 434 feet square with the inner rooms measuring at 14 feet square. Therefore, the biggest the cube can be is 26 rooms long, 26 rooms across, and 26 rooms deep. So therefore, 26 times 26 times 26 is 17,576. I didn't realise I needed a math degree to (laughs) fucking win this quiz. What question are you on? This is question number seven. Shit. Okay, right. I'm ready. (laughs) What causes the outbreak in the movie Zombieland? Oh, my God. You you may have just frazzled me and put me on such a back foot that my brain's gone dead. (laughs) Um, 
Is it I work so hard on these questions as well because majority of the movies, the majority of these questions in this, we have covered on the show. So like the Cube, you've done YouTube, we've got yeah. like Exorcist, we've covered Zombieland, we've covered. We have Child's Play franchise, we've covered. You, we've been through all of these movies that I face these questions around. Uh, I'm gonna say it was Infected Beef. Do you know what I'm? I, I'm going to give you that. I am going to give you that. It is a strain of mad cow disease. At the beginning, Columbus says, well, mad cow became mad person, became mad zombie. Yeah. And, so that, and then the, later on, he goes on to explain that it was an infected burger that somebody ate that caused it. So, yes, infected beef is the right answer. Finally. Fuck it. My turn. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what city? Question number two, is that? Is that what you're on? Question number two, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, what city does the original Candyman take place? Uh, Cabrini Green, which... So Cabrini Green. Detroit? Unfortunately, that's incorrect. It's Chicago. Ah, fuck! Uh, question number three. What colour are the jumpsuits in Us? Orange. No, unfortunately, that's incorrect as well. They are red. Oh, they're red. Oh, of course they're red. <laughs> what am I doing? <laughs> I don't know what you're doing. Uh, How did the, I do that? The, the jumpsuits were orange in Orange is the New Black, not in us. In, yeah. Oh, what a dickhead. I knew. Why did I do that? Um, what time period of history is the witch set in? So is it the oh. 1500s, the 1600s, the 1700s or the 1800s? Is this that movie with the girl from the menu? Yeah, it's, it's the witch, the with the one with the two Vs, the Vich. The Vich, yeah. I haven't seen that movie, which is fucking annoying. Right. Um, what were my options, did you say? The 1500s, the 1600s, the 1700s, or the 1800s? Uh, witch hunting. Witch hunting. Uh, this is a complete guess. I'm going to say... 1800s? Unfortunately, that's not right. It was the 1600s. Oh, uh, sticking with Anya Taylor-Joy, uh, in the movie The Menu, what does her character order from the kitchen? Oh, I know the answer to this. What question are we on, just by the way? Uh, you're on question five. Question five. It's a burger. It is a, a cheeseburger, if it... you want to be specific. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's correct. Uh, over to you. Are you question eight now? I'm on question number eight, and this one's one of my favourites. It's horror, not horror. I'm going to read you a quote. All you have to do is tell me whether it is horror or it is not horror. There is no bonus point for guessing the right movie, but I would enjoy it if you give an attempt. Okay. So, this is a quote. Now get the hell down in the cellar. You can be the boss down there. I'm the boss up here. That's not horror, and that's the Goonies. That is incorrect. That is oh, horror, and that oh. is Night of the Living Dead from 1968. Damn it! <laughs> it sounded like the Goonies. I'm sure that happens in the Goonies. Right, question number nine. Now, yeah. this is a specifically catered question to you, and I've put this on here on purpose, purely because I'm kind of hoping your brain's just fallen apart at this point, it and you're really going to get has. this wrong, which is going to be so embarrassing for you if you do. In the movie... The Gremlins, what are the three simple rules to follow? Do not get them wet. Do not feed yep. them after midnight. 
and do not expose them to sunlight. Motherfucker! <laughs> yes. Well yes. done. Well okay. Done. It's right. Actually, if you were going to go for verbatim, it is avoid bright lights, do not get them wet, and do not feed them after dinner. Oh, I'm glad I, well. I'm glad I got the bright light. It is the brightest light. So I'll let you have that one. <laughs> uh, I'm still lagging behind, though. So, question number six for me: What was the tagline used for the movie The Fly? Ooh, I'm not a big fan of The Fly. I say I'm not a big fan. I just haven't seen it in probably 10 years. I should really go back and watch that. I like me some Brundle Fly, given the chance. Um, in fact, we should just get that on the show, I think. Right, the tagline for the movie. What could it be? Gina Davis, Jeff Goldblum, Fly, integrating with human. Um, flies around shit. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. You're going to kick yourself. One of the most famous lines in all of horror. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Oh, fuck. (laughs) Uh, Question number seven. I'm starting to catch up. What is the name of the orderly who looks after Hannibal Lecter in the asylum? Oh, Barney. Fuck. It is Barney. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Don't test me on my lectures. I know my Hannibal Lecter. So you're on question question 10 so i i have to get this right to keep the game going so if you get this right then i get to ask questions again and if you get one correct you win right okay right okay oh so it's a good chance for me then to complete this another favorite of yours in the five star movie killer condom can you tell me the name of the detective working the case Detective Luigi Macaroni, it's a me, it's oh. a Luigi. <laughs> I didn't think you would have remembered that at all. <laughs> that, is, that is burnt into my brain along with Bobette. I will never forget that movie. Um, well done, right. mate. You got that right. You're good. I really need to turn up the heat. Uh, question number eight. What is Pinhead referred to in the 2021 reboot? Um, so I know... He only became Pinhead through fandom. And he's actually referred to as the Hell Priest. But is it the Hell... Do they refer to as the Hell Priest or the Hell Priestess? Or is it even the Hell Priestess at all? I, I don't know. I'll, 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 I'll say Hell Priest, but I, I, I don't know. I don't know, to be honest. It's been a while since I've watched that. So you, you go with that? Yeah. Congratulations. You are still alive. <laughs> you you take the first yeah. win in the game seesaw. Would you like to get your last two questions so everyone can hear them? Yes, please do. Go on. I'm interested to see. Um, which horror movie shot to super slasher status by killing their biggest star in the opening scene? Uh, oh, so it's either Psycho or it's Scream. Um, Scream, I probably would have gone with. It was Scream, so you'd have got that one right as well. Uh, Last one, not including Saw X. How many kills does this franchise rack up? 105, 122, 95, or 322? Oh, this is so hard because I haven't seen anything. So if I was to base it on what my knowledge is so far, so there's 10 movies. The first movie had about five i think we saw of traps the second one probably up that to about 10 
So if we went on an average of 10 per movie, 105 would be my guess. 105 is correct. Um, yes, so- logic. <laughs> Saw had six. Saw 2 had 9, 3 had 10, Saw 4 had 10, Saw 5 had 6, Saw 6 had 13, Saw 3D had 27. Wow. Yeah, uh, Jigsaw had 16 and Spiral had 8. So yeah, that's our new quiz and I've started this off with a a loss. Um, (laughs) That that quiz will return because I will want another go at that. Yeah, I enjoyed that one a lot. That was was brilliant. What we'll do, we'll start offering that to guests as well i think um if they don't want to go up to try and get on the leaderboard they can go for that or people can vote for them to go for that and then the guests can pick whether they go against you or me oh that'd be quite cool i yeah that'd be really good do that and then they what so they come with 10 questions prepared for either you or me that they come with 10 questions themselves but we'll we'll see we'll see how that goes because i i I reckon some of our guests would be brutal we they'd just have a clean sweep of tens Oh, yeah, that'd be interesting. Yeah, I like the idea of doing that. Let's put that on a poll and see if people want to see that continue. Yeah. Um, I'm going to let you round this up first. Okie dokie. Um, so, as we've already discussed in this episode, I don't have in fact, a lot of familiarity. No, I'm not. I'm lying. I'm not going to let you wrap it up first. Um, can you do your recommended account of the week? And Would you like some music? I was kind of on a roll then, but yeah, go on. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Recommended account of the week. And I'll learn to read my notes properly moving forward. <laughs> yeah. When I say notes, we don't have run-through notes anymore, but I have notes of what we do Order. next. Otherwise, this show <laughs> would be an absolute disaster. Right. So this week's recommended account is VHS Customs Ukraine. Um, VHS Customs Ukraine is a... As it stays in the title, it's a it's a custom designed U VHS replicated place. They basically make VHS tapes for your pleasure. If there's a film like Pearl or any of the newest films, say Sorex, you wanted a copy of Sorex on videotape, if you're a videotape collection such as myself, they will make that for you. The reason I've come across this account recently is because I've currently just completed all of my American collection of the Halloween franchise right through to Resurrection, which was the last VHS release. After that, there was Rob Zombies 1 and 2, which never came out on VHS. But me being the weird OCD collector freak that I am, I need to have the Rob Zombie 1 and 2 VHS and then eventually the Gordon Green VHS tapes to go with it so I can have them all in a nice pretty line on my shelf. I reached out to this guy on Instagram recently. He's quite a small account. He's just starting out. He's just setting up, but his work's phenomenal. So I reached out to him and I messaged him and basically explained the situation that I was in and was telling him what I wanted and where I wanted to go. And he was like, yeah, man, no, that's absolutely cool. I can work with that. We can do it. He sent me through a few drafts. I sent him through a few ideas. We sort of collaborated together to get what I've wanted from this product. And he has made me... Rob Zombies 1, Rob Zombies 2 on Slipcase VHS, which I am so excited to get. They haven't arrived yet, but if you go to his account, you can see the process of him making it. We've worked real closely on the design of this, and I'm really happy with the results, and I can't wait for him to come through. But the reason I'm mentioning him now is because he is a small account, but his work is so, so good. And I think if anybody out there like me wants a certain custom-made VHS for their collection or just in general, just wants to go and check out this guy's artwork. He's a really talented dude, and I think he deserves the support from all of us. So 
That is VHS Custom Ukraine. Go and check him out. He's a Ukrainian guy. His name's Roman. You want anything done, or even if you just want to reach out and just say, hey, man, your work's cool. He's, he's very friendly. He's always messaging back all the time. And as always, with all these recommended accounts, let him know that the Urban Podcast sent you there. But please, more than ever, I would like you to go and support this guy because he, he's really helped me out with what I wanted and he's worked wonders to create something that I never really visualized would have been possible. I've seen a few of these ideas floating around on the internet of these Rob Zombie tapes, but this guy's really put in the effort to give me exactly what I envisioned it would look like. Um, so yeah, so please go check him out, show him some support. I'd really appreciate it. Don't just do it for yourself. Do it for me this time. Yeah. If you would. You've sent me the artwork of what he's done. And they cool, are isn't it? really cool. They're really slick. And it's like, yeah. Yeah, it's going to look fire, man. I can't wait to get them and uh, have uh, them on my shelf. And obviously, just keep, in, keep an eye out on my VHS page on Instagram, because no doubt as soon as they arrive, I will be posting them daily. Do you know <laughs> the one? I'm so proud of them. I will be in touch with him, but I'm waiting, because there is a trilogy that I want on VHS, and it will be X, Pearl, and Maxine, purely because oh. their their covers are amazing. Yeah, I think he's done Pearl already, actually. I'm not too sure. I'll have to go back on his page and check. But I think he's done Pearl already. But, yeah, man, to have those in a line, yeah, X-Pearl and Maxine, Maxine all there in VHS and all with the retro artwork and stuff, you get it, man. It's cool as shit. And I, I, can't, wait. I can't wait for these Rob Zombie ones to come through. It's going to yeah. be so good. That's awesome. Um, now you can round up the movie. Oh, again, okay. I've, I've lost my flow now, but I'll, I'll try again if that's all. <laughs> yeah, get your mojo back. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, so as I was saying earlier, I don't have a lot of familiarity with this franchise. I've seen Saw 1, 2, and half of 3. I'm not a massive fan. I don't like the whole new metal, flashy cut sequences that these films provide. I like the gore. I like the traps. I like the creativity that comes with them, but I don't think that the initial release of movies had my sort of tastes in mind when it comes to movie experiences. However, Saw X is a different breed. Um, it's not like the rest. I don't know how the rest of the franchise develops and whether it falls more in line with what this movie is, but no. for me, based on <laughs> the earlier stuff, no, right, okay then. That's perfect. <laughs> you, you know the first 20 minutes you saw a Saw 3 that you thought was garbage? Yeah. It's on a fast downward slope from there to spiral. Right, okay, no. right, all right, that makes more sense. So so for me, this was quite refreshing to see it play out in the way that it did. I really, really enjoyed my time with this movie. I loved the way that the story connects and the way that they tie it together with the grand reveal at the end. It all made perfect sense, and it was cool to see it play out. I liked that it was more of an emotional story with John Kramer and that we feel his more personal pursuit in this story than what I consider to be quite flimsy most of the time with his reasons for his traps and the reasons of his people who he puts in those traps. Yeah. I mean, stuff like cheating on your wife. Yes, it's not great, but it doesn't require you being put in a reverse bear trap as far as I'm concerned. And um, same with drug addiction, you know, you're a drug addict. So you're going to put somebody in a trap and make them cut, them, <laughs> cut their fingers off to be able to free themselves. It's like, man, you don't know the trauma that person's been in to be able to fall into drugs in the first place. So I think, the reasoning behind a lot of the Saw movies and the, the reason that they end up where they are, I find quite flimsy. Um, and the balance between his motives are sometimes very questionable. 
especially when it comes down to the fact that we never kill anyone. I'm like, hang about, mate. It's like you put them in this situation. So if it wasn't for you, then they wouldn't even be here. So therefore you are responsible for the situation. And that's something that was taken. They took inspiration from that from um, Charles Manson, because Charles Manson thing was, I didn't kill anyone. And everyone, but no, but, no. but you, you made them kill people. You orchestrated the situation. Yeah, so yeah exactly. You are a guilt at hand. And, and that's it with me with Saw. And it's like, I, I, for me, for that reason, Kramer was always a villain. He was always the antagonist of the situation, regardless of his motives or his reasoning, which was one of my biggest bugbears with this. And it's not any fault with the film because individually this film stands on its own two feet and is perfect. I I really enjoy it. And if you take away everything else in this franchise and just consider this to be its own thing, it's a perfect movie for vengeance and motivation to seek revenge for these people who have done you over. But when you tie it back into the rest of the franchise and the motives that he's had throughout, it just kind of fell apart a little bit for me because we spend so much time focusing on Turbin Bell and his story, which, by the way, fantastic. What a performance this guy gives in this movie. It's worth checking out just to see the display that he gives alone. The emotion that he portrays throughout and the range that he has is probably nothing like this franchise has ever seen before. So I have to give credit to him for that reason. But I just think it just it took a shift where they expected the audience to sympathize with him, which also then jeopardizes the rest of the portrayals of him in the other movies and kind of makes it fall apart a little bit. The intimidation he has in those movies because he's so emotional and so affectionate in this situation. Um, He's not just a relentless, cold hearted person like we see in prior films. Um. I took issue with Amanda coming back in this movie. Tobin Bell, as we've discussed, he's at an age where he could age 20 years and he'd probably still look the same because he's an older gentleman. But Amanda does not look anything like what she did in Saw 1 and 2. And she's clearly an older woman. And she looks great. I'm not saying she looks old as shit and looks horrible. That is not what I'm saying at all. But she has clearly aged substantially since the first film. And and also stolen. She's also stolen Gal Weathers' bangs for this movie. Yeah, the fucking wig they make her wear in this film is atrocious. <laughs> Absolutely atrocious. It's so distracting, man. But yeah, that's not cool. I didn't think she looked great. Not her personally. I just mean the way they expect it to fall within the timeline. I didn't buy it too much. But as a whole, this is a Saw movie. And I am basing this much more critically than I should do because it's a Saw movie. Yeah. And in terms of Saw movies... It's probably the best since the original, I think. The impact that this has on the franchise is something that should be seen and is noteworthy. And I hope it goes on to make more movies. I just hope they don't do that thing of rushing into them and then then compromising the film that they've established here by trying to slot more movies in the timeline with Kramer in order to continue a good thing that they've got right now and then ultimately convoluting everything else. Um, the traps as well, very creative. We mentioned the, the sort of amateur rushed nature of them all. Very, very cool. I'm rambling, but I do like this movie. I just have conflicted opinions about it. I think everybody should go and see it and watch it because it's definitely worthy of your time. But not being a big Saw guy, I'm going to place this at a three out of five. It's good, really good, but it's definitely not perfect. 
Okay. Uh, I'm going to prerequisite anything I say by saying I am not a fan of the Saw franchise. Saw 1 and 2 are okay. The rest of the franchise, in my opinion, is trash. Spiral being the probably one of the worst movies I've ever had to suffer through. I was not excited for this movie beyond the fact that Tobin Bell and Shawnee Smith were coming back. Um, I was pleasantly surprised. I really enjoyed this. It was impactful. The traps were brutal. The overall tone was dark. It it made sense in the timeline for this sit between one and two. Tobin Bell hasn't aged a day. Uh, Shawnee Smith has, but again, she's 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 an older woman, but she's not looking bad. Uh, oh, not, not no, I she, don't want she, anybody to think I'm criticizing her. Look. No. She looks fantastic. She looks she's, beautiful. She's I, really I think, I think, the, phrase, I think... the phrase we're looking for is she's hot as fuck, but she's older by 15, 20 years than she was in Saw 1. Yeah, and then I mean, in Saw 1 and 2, she's like 20, 22. Here, she's clearly 40, but is expected to look like a 20, 21-year-old with a yeah. weird wig, and it just doesn't work for me <laughs> no, in that sense. It doesn't. Um, their performance is appearance aside um they both knock it out of the park tobin bell's fantastic shawnee smith recaptured even though not the look but she recaptured that character really really well um making jigsaw a good guy now they've attempted this in various ways in the franchise and it always fell flat because there was no real emotion it was all about the traps where in this they dialed all the traps back and gave us enough exposition at the beginning that I actually gave a fuck about Jigsaw. I actually cared what he thought or how he felt. And when he got screwed over in such a horrific, horrible way, I was fully on board with him. I was like, I agree with you. They fucked you over. Do do as you must. And it worked for me. Um, It worked even more with the addition of Cecilia, adding a character to the trap scenario who has zero morals doesn't give a shit about anyone and is infinitely a more evil person than John Kramer only amplified my desire to see him kill her. Yeah. And that's one thing I felt robbed of that. He didn't kill her. I felt that I had been cheated that he didn't take her out. I wanted that. I wanted the final bit of the redemption to her realize, shit, I'm going to die. That's what I wanted. And I didn't get it. Um, The point of that they hammer home of a big farmer wanting to treat and not cure. I think they do very, very well. They hammer it home without ramming it down your throat. Um, I was really impressed with that. For me, this is as good as the franchise gets. It's leaps and bounds better than, than anything after one and two. This is on a par with one and two that I hold about the same. Um, it hits a bit different because of the emotional level. I didn't expect that to live in a Saw movie. It, it's an eight out of 10, and that is as high as a score, a Saw movie will ever score from me. Loved it. Good, good. I, I, I agree with you. I think it's a fantastic movie. You have more association with the Saw franchise than I do, and I imagine after trudging through what six seven terrible sequels after the first two to see something like this must be very refreshing as a saw fan um yeah and i can understand why people are uh giving it good reception and 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 
appreciating what it is. But for me, having only seen the first two and seeing how much of a villain that Kramer is in those first two movies, to see then this third one or whatever place it falls in the timeline was just really jarring to me. Yeah. Um, But again, I loved it. I just think as a standalone to Halloween 3 it, if you will. Yeah it kind of works better in that sense, having no sort of... I think what I would have appreciated would more would have been to have this set before the events of the first film. Yeah. And have this be his sort of origin story, if you will. And not, that, even, not even include his whole terror reign that he takes on the first film and the second film. Just have this be his first attempt at taking on these traps and building these things because we get all that we get the wonkiness of the traps we get the sort of amateur nature of it all and it all rushed together i think that would have worked better in this instance take shawnee smith out of the situation as great as i think she was and the emotion that she showed and you could see her dedication to kramer that comes in at a later date in some of the other movies and the conflict that she has especially from the first sort of 30, 40 minutes I watched of Saw 3 where he's on the hospital bed and he's dying and you can see how cut up and upset she is by this. Yeah, That reflects quite well in this film as well. You can see her sort of going down that road with him as a character. I think that all works really well and I don't think she should have been excluded from the movie, but in a way I kind of feel like it would have worked better if she wasn't here and this was set before the events of the first film. Yeah, and I don't, that would have worked as, as an origin story. This being his, this was his breaking point when he got scammed. That that would it would have worked hundred percent. Yeah, I agree, and I think it would have worked better for the franchise. But again, I'm not disappointed by what we got here at all in the slightest. I think it's a very very good movie, and for a Saw movie, I think we've scored it more than fairly, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, we definitely have. Um, that wraps this week's episode. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, don't forget to leave us a review somewhere, anywhere. Um, tell Mark what accent you want him in to do it in. Do not do Australian again, because he cannot do it. I, I do not I do not <laughs> want Confederate General on this show again. Um, <clears throat> next time we're back, we're going to be looking at a Gordon Green soft reboot. We know how much Mark loves those. Um it's going to be Ex- The Exorcist Believer, another new release for us. Um, but until next time, God played a trick on you. See you all later. <laughs> Cheers, guys. See you next week. And, oh, before I forget. I'll kill you if this is a joke. You want to die tonight? The You Run Podcast. The You Run Podcast. The You Run Podcast. The You Run Podcast. Why isn't it possible? I can't say nothing. A Candyman will get me. You choose the movies. I had a heart on this morning when I woke up, Tina. Had your name written all over it. You score them. Nice fucking model! You review them. For that, you get the head, the tail, the whole damn thing. Why not, you stupid bastard? My name is very fucking confused. What's your name? Captain Howdy. You don't want to go fooling around other folks' property. In my goddamn soul. Where's the beer? Because after all, this is not our show. This is your show. So, if you're hearing this, you paid attention last week when we had Jim here and I said there was going to be a new way to play. So you've stayed after all of the end credits of the show and you've, you've now got me and Mark. Hi, I'm Scott. Hi, I'm Mark. <laughs>
Yeah. Uh, Mark has no idea what's going on, by the way. He's looking at me so no, confused. I'm um, still here, though. Yeah, so this game is really simple, and, and this is not to win merchandise, so we'll get to that in a minute. So this game is really simple. If you are hearing this, you cannot tell another soul. You cannot share this on social media. You can't. You just can't. And if you do, you will be disqualified for the from the game, not for this week, forever. If you share it, you, you're out. It's as simple as that. So... On the release day of this episode, I'll be posting our usual behind-the-scenes pictures on Instagram. It'll go on all of our social medias apart from TikTok. On TikTok, I'll post a behind-the-scenes video. When I do that, all you need to do if you've heard this is comment, if you know, you know. Brilliant. And that's your entry into this game. Um, And like I say, you're not playing to win merchandise what you're playing for is to earn a guest spot on this show early next year. We will be doing this each episode. And every time you enter and you successful in doing your challenge and you don't tell anyone, that's that's one entry. So if you do this for five weeks, six weeks, ten weeks, that's five, six, seven, eight, ten, however many entries. If you get caught. Or if someone, if you tell someone, you're disqualified and you don't get to play. Um, I love how your tones completely dropped as if you're whispering and nobody I, else can hear you. I don't yeah. get what's going on here. Like <laughs> nobody on Instagram or social media can hear us right now. No, they can't. <laughs> don't tell. But I like me. it. I like it. It's cool. I'm yeah. feeling the vibe. <laughs> um, so yeah, this is the game. So when we post our behind the scenes pics, all you need to comment is if you know you know and what's really funny is you'll be able to see how many other people listened all the way to the end and when people go if you know you know what you cannot reply oh sneaky Mm. um thank you so much for listening and staying right to the end and we will catch you next week for the exorcist believer the golden green takedown (laughs) i I don't know. I don't listen too much to critics. It, it might be the Gordon Green glow up. You never know. No, that's going to be the tagline for that episode. <laughs> Exorcist a believer, the Gordon Green takedown. I'm going to release a picture before we do it. Exorcist believer, the Gordon Green glow up. <laughs> uh, thanks for listening. We'll catch you all next week. Cheers, guys. Bye bye.